Good crowd this morning. Good to see you here. Yeah, I always, we watched all those videos before, and uh, Pastor Aaron and myself and Pastor Ryan, uh, I had to get some tissue. I was crying so hard. We still got some more to go, but Kevin Miller's a funny guy, so enjoyed it. Um, Glad to see you here today. So excited to be in church and service this morning. I uh, just basically useless information, but uh, yesterday was the beginning of the dog days of summer. Did you know that? If you knew that, raise your hand. This is three for three. Nobody knows this. Come on, people. Three, August, I mean, July the 22nd through August the 22nd is considered the hottest days of the summer. So that's the time. So you got, a, yeah, sorry, you got a few more weeks to go. But uh, I asked the question in the 9 o'clock service, how many would you consider 80 degrees being hot? Raise your hand. Yeah. 85? Do you go outside when it gets above that? You know, I'm thinking that's Christmas time where I used to live in Arkansas, 85 degrees. There's moments it's been that warm. But uh, summer's fast, uh, just going, just flying by. Uh, some of the things I like to do in the summer, I like to go to the zoo. How many's been to the zoo yet? Already good. I, I haven't been this summer, but I, I love going to the zoo because I love being able to see animals I don't normally see. Most of the time, you know, you're not going to see a giraffe walk in your front yard. Maybe a wild turkey, uh, maybe a deer, but you're not going to see a giraffe. I, I love doing going to the zoo because you get to see just some pretty cool animals. I like the big cats the best. I like the tigers the most. I don't like domestic cats, all right? I'm going to tell you that right now. Not a fan. Not a fan. My sister had a couple when we were kids. I can't believe my parents let them have, have cats in the house, but they did. Don't judge me, all right? But my sister had one particular cat that if your hand fell off the side of the bed in the morning, good luck. Because you're going to get a rude awakening. Promise you it's going to happen. She's going to like, oh, play toy. And she's going to attach to your hand. And that was a rude awakening. Uh, you know, just I love going to the zoo and thinking about that. I'm just, uh, if it was full of just domestic cats, I wouldn't waste my time. It's just, I just don't like those. But uh, I went one time with my parents. Um, and it was just a fun, fun time. And I started thinking about different things I've done with my kids and just different experiences with my own kids. And I started thinking about something that I've talked to my wife about. And I should invent this, and I haven't got any type of uh, copyright on it or whatever you want to say or uh, anything like that. But I think if I could invent an alarm clock that depicted a kid throwing up, it would be the best alarm clock in the world. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, get, I, if you've got kids and you understand where I'm coming from, if they've ever been sick, you're like, oh, just let me lay down. You put them in the bed with you, and all of a sudden, you hear that noise. I promise you, before my feet hit the floor, I'm fully dressed for work. I've, I've mowed the lawn. I've washed the dog. I've changed the oil in the car before my feet hit my shoes. That's how quick I'm out of the bed. So I started thinking about my own kids. Of course, most of you may know I, I have four daughters. And I started putting in categories the different uh, areas of, of vomit. I know, this is really great. It's going to get your attention keep you going today. And, and I kind of categorize it in three different ways. So the first one would be Top Gun, all right? And I, you say, what a, you know, bullseye, this is what's going to happen. I, one of my daughters, I'm not going to name names. She told me to name her name because she said, this is me, Dad. I'm like, I'm not going to do that, Riley. Um, she indicated, she said, I'm the one, Dad. I'm the one that I, I always go right to the toilet. I throw up right there. It doesn't go anywhere. I walk up to your bed. I say, I've taken care of myself. I'm going back to sleep. Bless you, child. You're our favorite child. You're our favorite child. You know, you've taken care of yourself. Don't you? The next one would be Hansel and Gretel. 
It's not bread they're leaving a trail with, okay, people? You understand that. You're following like, oh, there, oh, oh, <laughs> found you. There you are. Thank you. Thank you so much. You got a kid like that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the worst one is this one. It would be Gallagher. It's just everywhere. <laughs> True? It's everywhere. I mean, one of my kids, not going to name names because she would hurt me severely in my sleep, but uh, she would sit in the bed and cry, oh, knowing she needed to go throw up, and all of a sudden, there it is. It's everywhere. It's like a garage sale. Everything's got to go. You know, it's just gone. And I'm like, why? Why did you do this? Got me thinking about this story at the zoo. So uh, I went to the zoo and it was really hot. I drank a lot of water really fast. I got tired. So my dad puts me on his shoulders. Yeah, there you go. Boy, you're a lot quicker than nine o'clock. They're like, what? Huh? You've had a cup of coffee. You're ready to go. So yeah, I nailed it. I don't know if you would qualify me as Top Gun. Yep, dead bullseye right on top of the head. Or Gallagher. It's just everywhere. But it was a life altering encounter for my dad especially and for me because everybody's looking at you what oh you your kid I'm so sorry yeah the funny thing about that is that just happened last year <laughs> my dad's 75 that's not gonna happen he wouldn't be able to carry me you know a lot of you got stories we've all had in certain encounters that we've had to deal with in life I pray that they're a little cleaner than what mine was in this story, but we've all had things that have been life-altering moments that we've dealt with. And I want you to understand something this morning. Uh, there is a spiritual battle going on in this service right now. Some of you get it automatically. Some of you in this room, you had a struggle getting to church today. Maybe you, I didn't feel good, and in your ear, oh, just stay home. You know, you can go, you can watch it online. You don't have to be at service. Some of you, like, you had a, a discussion with your spouse or a discussion with one of your children or things. Uh, my hair is horrible. It's just the worst thing ever. All these things you're dealing with. There's a spiritual battle going on in this room. And I hope that you will understand what I'm getting ready to say. I need you to be like a Green Bay Packer fan, engaged. When you're at that game, you're engaged from the moment the kickoff happens to the ending of the game, whether it's the fourth quarter or extra, in, or extra time or whatever, overtime. You're, you're engaged because you want your team to win. So I hope this morning you understand that there's people in this room that need Jesus. Some of you that are Christ followers, God needs to do something specifically in your life today. And I want that to happen. And the word says in John 10, 10, a very familiar scripture, the thief, which is talking about Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give life and give it to the full. The King James says, I came to give life more abundantly. Not only does Jesus want you to go to heaven and spend eternity there and celebrate with him in heaven, but he wants your life to be extraordinary right here where you are in the place you live right now. You get that? He wants your life to be extraordinary. So Satan doesn't want you to be here this morning. He doesn't want you to engage this morning. He wants to do anything he can to disrupt the flow of what God wants to do inside your life. So I want us to spend a moment just to pray really fast and agree, God, I'm going to focus. I'm going to be engaged today. God, whatever you want in this service, that's what I want this morning. Will you pray with me right now? Jesus, we're so thankful that we can come in this place and we can sing worship songs, we can honor you, we can give you praise. 
But Lord, I'm thankful today because you have a specific purpose for people's lives in this room. You have a direction for their life, God, today. This moment, this encounter, we pray your will to be done. Everybody said amen. You know, we're talking about different stories in the Bible, and mine is something you probably have heard, but if you haven't, a uh, great story. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't, the Scripture verses will be on the screen. I want you to turn into the Gospel of John, chapter number 4. We're going to be looking at several verses, verses 4 through 17, then 25 through 30, and then 30 through, 39 through 41. So we're going to kind of be jumping around inside this chapter. But we're going to be discussing an encounter that Jesus had with a lady at a well, all right? The woman at the well. We're going to be really digging deep on what this means to us right now. So if you want to go ahead and follow me along in the Word, we'll do that at this moment. So no, verse number 4, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, the sixth hour of the day. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, call, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. The woman said, I know, in verse number 25, I, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find them talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Going to verse number 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. I want to break down these scriptures to show you just how amazing this story is. Amazing in the fact that this connection, this encounter should have never taken place. Go back in history a little bit, let you understand about what happened during this time or before this time. The Israelites were conquered by the Assyrians. 
and they had to exile. Basically, they had to leave the area. You can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 17, looking around verse 24 through verse 40. It talks about this story and them having to leave. Some people remain there, but the Assyrians brought other people from other countries, other nations, other cultures, other gods to live in this area. So they became a mixed race, a culture that was mixed. They knew about God, but they worshiped their own God. They kind of did their own thing. So when the Israelites came back and began to want to occupy their land again, there was huge conflict. Even to the point where Jesus was walking on the earth, there was still huge conflict. They did not like each other. So when you read the story, you understand why the woman said, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, we're not supposed to be communicating. It never should have occurred. Second reason why this never should occur occurred was is that men, or women rather for sure, were not allowed to speak to other men unless their husband was present. Now, can you imagine how that would go right now? Seriously. You know, they, they say that women have a lot more vocabulary than men. I'm not going to ask men if you think that's true because that's dumb. I'm not going to ask that question. But I am going to say that that's kind of where that communication should have never taken place. And the last part that I think why this encounter should have never happened is simply that religious leaders of that time were not supposed to speak to women. They weren't supposed to have that connection at all. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't follow the rules when it came to connecting people who needed him? So many times we get stuck in religious ritual. This is the way we've always done it. This is what we're always supposed to do. I'm glad that Jesus was real with that lady. I'm glad that he took a moment and said, you know what? I'm going to have a, a conversation with her. My father told me we're supposed to have this conversation. You know, Jesus is the same to us even today. I begin to dig a little more in, in this story, and I begin to ask the question, why did the woman go to the water well at noon? It's hot. I'm like Pastor Aaron, and I'm not, I, you know, I, I love to eat too. Fat people don't want to sweat. So I'm thinking, why in the world is she going to the well at noon? If I was to ask you a question, when do you work in your landscaping, which I think landscaping up here in Wisconsin is awesome. People take it. It's just like, wow, I'd live there if they'd pay me. You know, it's great. It's beautiful. When do you, you do it in the mornings? Why? Because it's cooler. You do it in the evenings if it's opportunity. You don't want to do it at noon like today if it's humid and hot and you're sweating. We don't want to do that. So I'm wondering, why did the woman go to the well at noon? If she needed water for all day, why didn't she do it the night before in that evening or maybe early that morning? I believe the reason why she went to the water well at noon is because she didn't want to deal with people. Because they knew about her life. And she didn't want to have a conversation. She didn't want to have the eye contact. She didn't want to hear the snickering. She didn't want to hear the underneath mumble about her life. So she wanted to avoid them and just get her water and go back. But you see, Jesus, he had to go to Galilee. The word, if you read the first three or four verses of that chapter four of John, he had to go to Galilee. 
He had to go uh, to that place. So he said, I must go through Samaria. He could have probably chosen, I I don't want to go to Samaria. If we know the history, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. But I want to go back and reiterate the fact that Jesus said, I'm not worried about religious ritual. I'm not worried about status quo. I'm not worried about culture. I'm worried about connecting with somebody who needs an encounter with me. So I'm going to get past all that stuff. And you and I are going to have a conversation. And that's what took place. This life-altering sixth-hour encounter with Jesus changed that woman's life from that point forward. It altered everything about her life. It changed everything about her life. It's kind of like a movie. You know, you have alternate endings. Maybe you've watched some movies here and there. Like, oh, maybe this is how it should happen. Or maybe this is how it should happen. And Jesus said, I've got an alternate ending for the way you need to live your life. That sixth hour encounter changed that. I think there were a few things that happened during that moment that could happen for us today. A sixth hour encounter will change your perspective. The woman's perspective was changed. I don't want this water from this well anymore. I want what the water you're telling me about, Jesus. I want that. What what was she really saying? I'm sick and tired of the way my life is. I'm sick and tired of having to go to this well. And every time, if I go at a certain time, they're going to look at me. They're going to say something about me. They know about me. I am tired of having to deal with the way my life is. I want a different perspective. A few years ago, my wife and I took a group of students to Dublin, Ireland on a missions trip and just kind of breaking out of the message, I would encourage you to go on a missions trip. We've got a group of students leaving next Thursday, correct, Pastor Nate? And they're going to Nicaragua. They've got a group of students going to Missouri to do some stuff with Convoy of Hope. But you are an adult in this room. If you haven't gone on a missions trip, I would encourage you to go on one. It's life-altering. It will change your perspective. So my wife and I, with a group of kids, we arrive in Dublin, Ireland, and uh, the first day is always kind of orientation. You kind of get to know your leaders, who, what's going to happen during the week, all that stuff. And then they give you some free time. So you're able to kind of go and roam around the city. So that's what we did. We did like any tourist would do. We would go. We went to kind of a central point where everybody kind of hangs out. There's live music on the street corner. Everything's hopping. It's great. It's cool. It's fun. Everything was great. We're taking pictures, all this kind of stuff. It was awesome. But later on in that week, we did a night outreach in that same area, back in that same part of the city. And God changed my perspective. I began to see the people coming out of the woodwork, so to speak, that were hooked on heroin to the point to where now they're hooked on methadone. If you don't know what that is, that's a drug to get you off of heroin. But now they get hung on heroin, and they can't get off of that. I met with a guy, prayed with him, and he's crying. I'm crying with him. He's saying, Steve, I I have anxiety attacks because of the thought of trying to get off this drug. I want to change. I want to be different. I don't want to be the same person. But because of this, I I I can't. So I'm praying with him. Prostitutes coming out needing Christ. People hooked on alcohol. Homeless. And I can remember telling the pastor that we worked with, I said, you know what? God didn't change the place. He just changed my perspective. I want you to understand something today. Jesus didn't take the lady out of the place where she lived. She still lived there. He just changed her perspective on how she looked about her life. 
Jesus may not take you out of the place that you are right at this moment. He may just change your perspective. Pastor Steve, I hate my job. I don't want to be in my marriage. I'm sick of my family. I don't like my life. Maybe God just wants to change your perspective about your job. Maybe instead of walking out of your marriage, he wants to change your perspective about your spouse. Maybe instead of totally just disassociating with your family, he's wanting you to embrace them in a different way. Maybe he's just wanting you to look at your life a little differently. Because that's what the woman did at the well. She began to look at her life differently. I don't want what I've got here. I want what you've got, Jesus. And when her perspective changed, when our perspective changes, that six-hour encounter will change your plans. What was she going to the well for? To get water. But all of a sudden, everything about that moment changed. Jesus read her mail, and then he told her he was the Messiah. Now, can you imagine you walking up to somebody you've never known in your life, and, and they tell you your life story? Weird. Who you been talking to? What have you been smoking? You know, what's going on here? I don't understand this. Why are you telling me all these things I already know about my life? Who have you been communicating with? But it spoke volumes to her. And then he declared that he was the Messiah. And all of a sudden, her perspective changed, and then her plans changed. No longer was she concerned about getting the water. She was concerned about what Jesus had for her life, what he had planned for her life at that moment. I want you to understand today, you need to stop living beneath the plans that God has for your life. Stop living in the past where you think you're living right now. You need to start learning from the past where you can live in the future because Jesus has a, a specific plan for your life right now. Right now. Pastor Steve, I'm a Christ follower. I get it. We're going to talk about a little more why in just a moment. But he wants to change your plans. He wants to change, and that's what happened to the woman. He changed her plans. The coolest thing about this sixth hour encounter that she had with Jesus, that we can have with Jesus, he changes your perspective, he changes your plan. Sixth hour encounter changes your purpose. She put the water jar, the clay water jar, down on the ground. And all of a sudden, he didn't tell her to do this because she had different perspective, because she had different plan. Her purpose changed at that moment. And what did she do? She ran back into the city, the word says. You can read it. We just read it just a moment ago and said, Come see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And what happened? People. Several people begin to go find where Jesus is. Do you ever think, I, I, I'm, this is just me kind of thinking about this story. Do you think she was really worried about what people thought about her at that time? No. You think she was concerned about because she'd been married five times and living with a man? Yeah, that's another issue. Jesus had to walk with her through that, okay? I get it. 
But at that moment, she understood, hey, this is me encountering Jesus. This is me with my perspective change. This is me with different plans. This is me with a purpose that Jesus has for me right now. Is to go back and tell people that they need to encounter him. This is me thinking. But I think maybe the thought went through her mind, you know what? I can always go back tomorrow morning and get water from this well. Not noon, morning. Some of you in this room, God's speaking to your heart right now. Pastor Steve, not a Christ follower. Jesus is not the savior of my life. It was a struggle for me to get here today, but I'm here. And I want to tell you before you walk out of this room, if you'll make that decision to follow Christ, it'll be the best decision you ever make in your life. Some of you in this room, especially my Christ follower, but man, there's an object of, in my, that's got my attention that I can't shake. I'm going to tell you a story about myself. 13 years old, youth camp. Just got back from youth camp, blue team one. It was awesome. 70 plus kids went to camp. Phenomenal week. Got to hear some students talk about this past Wednesday night. Great, great time. Youth camp called at 13 years old. I can, I can go back to the spot there at that youth camp where, I, where God called me to full-time ministry. Sophomore, advanced for a little bit. Sophomore, junior year in high school, family issues in my home. To the point to where I got bitter at God and said, God, you know what? If this is the way it's going to be, I'm done. See ya. So for a time frame there, my relationship with God was not the way it needed to be. Fast forward into college, Chi Alpha. If you don't know who, what Chi Alpha is, it's a college-age ministry for students to help them grow in their faith in Christ or maybe to come to faith in Christ for the very first time. It helps them. It's kind of a youth group for college students. And we support that here at Life Church with colleges around Wisconsin. So thankful that we have ministries like that that we support through Greater. But it was at that moment in that, in that time that God reaffirmed that calling in my life. And fast forward a little more, I'm already in full-time youth ministry. I'm at a youth camp, the same youth camp that God called me. little change of atmosphere. They kind of updated the, the, the place and all that stuff. But I can remember standing in a service at that night, that moment, and instead of praying with kids, instead of reaching out to kids, instead of go, going after God with them, I'm sitting there, and the object of my attention is Satan talking into my ear. Why are you here? You don't deserve to be here. Remember what you did? How can you pray with a kid? How can you talk to a kid? They don't want to listen to you. Why don't you just quit? The speaker, I knew the guy, the speaker of the camp. We had had no conversation, no connection, nothing. He didn't know anything that I was dealing with at that moment. But the object of my attention wasn't on the students at that time. It was on just me. Woe is me. And God used him. He walked up to me in the middle of those kids. He put, he, he, he whispered in my ear this phrase, which has changed my life from that moment. He said, who God calls, God qualifies. He repeated it. Who God calls, God qualifies. At that moment in my life, Changed my perspective, changed my plans, changed my purpose. 
you're in this room. And some of you, your object of attention, your object that you're focusing on is your life away from Jesus. And I don't know if I can live the life God wants me to live. You need to get the spiritual let's go out. Let go. You've seen the commercial? The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7 that cast all your cares upon him or your anxiety, your worry, your unforgiveness, your doubt, your frustration, whatever's going on in your life, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. So I'm telling you this morning, if you're not a Christ follower, today's your day. Today's your day. Today's your moment. Maybe some of you in this room said, Pastor I am a Christ follower but there's an object of attention in my life that I just can't get past. It could be your marriage. It could be unforgiveness. It could be anger. It could be resentment, bitterness. I don't know. You put, you put the word, you put the thought in that blank. And I am telling you right now that Jesus is saying to you, just like he said to that woman, I'm going to give you some water that's going to rock your world, that's going to change your life. And instead of having that object of attention, this thing that you can't get past that would push you to the next level in your relationship with me, you're going to leave it with me today. Because he's paid the price for it, folks. Do you understand that? He's paid the price for what you're dealing with in your brain right now. Not just for your salvation, but for your healing. The Word of God says in Isaiah chapter 53 that by his stripes we are what? Say it out loud. Healed. Doesn't make a difference if it's spiritual healing, physical healing, emotional, mental. It makes no difference to Jesus. Because I want to go back and say that he's not the religious person that's going to stick to the rituals. He's here to change your life. Just like he changed mine. At the beginning of the service, I told you, hey, you remember when I said there's a spiritual battle going on? It's happening right now. It's happening right now. So we're getting ready to pray and get ready to connect to Christ and lives are getting ready to be changed. Lord, right now in this place, before we move any further in this service, I'm praying your will to be done. Right now, Jesus, have your way. Christ followers, we're praying together right now, believing for the Lord to do phenomenal things. If you would remain with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask a question. You're here in this room, and Pastor Steve, you're saying, I'm not a Christ follower. Jesus is not my Savior, but I want him to be today. I want him to change my perspective. I want him to change my plans. I want him to change my purpose. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you not just to raise your hand. I want you to stand. Pastor Steve, I'll, I'll be embarrassed. Nuh-uh. Let me tell you something before you do this. We're going to celebrate with you. The angels in heaven are going to celebrate because you have come to faith in Jesus. The word declares that. Right now, that's you in this place, and you need Christ as your Savior. One, get ready. Two, three, stand to your feet right now. I need Christ. Thank you. Come on. I need Jesus. Thank you. I need him as Savior. Thank you. Just a few moments. People are standing all across this building. I need Jesus in my life. Come on. 
Just a few more seconds. I'm going to give you time. You're here. That's me, Pastor Steve. I'm ready. I'm ready to make a change. You can remain standing. I want you to remain standing. If you stood for salvation, please remain standing. I'd like everyone, if you would, stand right now together. We're getting ready to pray a prayer with all the several people that have stood together. We're going to celebrate with them. Amen? Worship team's getting ready to come back. We're going to celebrate. We're not finished quite yet. I want you to, to pray this prayer with me. Would you do that right now? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life on the cross for me. Today, I want to encounter your salvation. Today, I'll make a decision to give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Lead my life from this moment forward. Jesus, I follow you. Jesus, I trust you. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. That's right. Hallelujah.